This evening's scripture is taken from Psalms 119, 161, and 162. Psalms 119, 161, and 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Good evening and welcome again to our worship. We're grateful for the opportunity to be together tonight. We appreciate your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back and be with us. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to be together tonight. We do look forward to a great day next Sunday, and we want to all do our very best to participate and to bring as many as possible to services And so we look forward to just a great, great day, and we hope that you will be praying for our homecoming and great day and that we can fill this building. Tonight I want to call your attention to the book of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 119, verses 161 through 168. The theme of our study tonight, how do you view the Word of God? Someone has said, and I believe it to be the case, that if you take care of your Bible, then your Bible will take care of you. And tonight I want us to talk for just a few moments about how we view the Word of God. Because in Psalm 119, the psalmist exalts the Word of God. And we are given a picture of his mindset concerning God's holy word. And so tonight, the first thing that I would call your attention to is his awe of the word of God. Look again at 119 verse 161. The psalmist said, princesses persecute me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your word. We're talking here about one who reverences the word of God. In other words, we stand in awe of God's holy word. Now we might ask the question, why? Why did the psalmist stand in awe of God's word? I think there are a couple of reasons. Number one, because of its source. Look again at verse 161. The psalmist said, my heart stands in awe of your word. We're not talking about man's word, but rather we're talking about the word of the living God. When you and I think about the appreciation that we should have for the Word of God, then we would do well to reflect the sentiments of the psalmist who said he stood in awe. He reverenced the Word of God. And the reason, as we said a moment ago, because of its source. Now, you and I might have the privilege of owning copies of various books penned by any number of individuals. I think about those that have the privilege to own a copy of Shakespeare and to read 
the majestic writings of Shakespeare. Almost two years ago, I had the opportunity to eat lunch beside Joanne Bradshaw. Joanne Bradshaw is the granddaughter of the late N.B. Hardiman. And following our lunch together, she allowed me to hold in my hands a diary of Brother Hardiman's travels to the Holy Land. And I had the opportunity to just look at his handwriting and to reflect upon his notes relative to his travels in that great land. And I thought about what a privilege that was. Sometime after that, she sent me in the mail a copy of one of his handwritten sermons. And again, I thought about what a privilege that was for me. And Brother Hardiman was a great man, and he did a lot of great things for the church. But we're not talking about the writings of a mere mortal individual. But rather, we're talking about the Word of God. The psalmist said, my heart stands in awe of your Word. Paul said, every scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. In other words, this is the very mind of God that has been given unto us. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, that no prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. He said the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, here were individuals that were writing under the guidance or superintendence of the third member of the Godhead, that being the Holy Spirit. And so the psalmist stood in awe of the Word of God. That is, this book has a divine source. Now, there have been many books penned down through the years, and many books have been profitable for any number of individuals. And many of us today, we read certain books in, various, in the various subjects of life, and we profit from that. But we're talking about the Word of God, the mind of God. And so we ask, why did he stand in awe of the Word of God? First of all, because of its source. But then secondly, I would submit unto you, because of its security. Look at verse 165. The psalmist here said, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Have you ever thought about the security that is afforded us because of the Word of God? The peace that we enjoy. Isn't it interesting that there is a correlation between the peace that we enjoy in this temporal veil of tears and the Word of God? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the wicked says, my God, have no peace. That's found in Psalm 57. 
You see, the wicked do not have peace because they do not have the prince of peace operating in their lives. They do not have the peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 26 at verse 3 that the Lord gives perfect peace to those whose mind is stayed on him. He said because they trust in him. Now think about the perfect peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The enjoyment that we have in this life because of our relationship to the Lord. And to the word of the Lord. I would submit unto you tonight that if you will implement the word of God into your life. That you will have peace in every sphere of your life. Look around in our world today. And note the disharmony and the division that exists within the lives of so many people. We talk about dysfunctional families. I believe that families that honor the word of God, that have husbands and wives that are honoring their roles and their responsibilities, who are rearing their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, You don't see those families calling the police because of domestic violence, do you? You don't see those families having problems because of abuse in the home. Because you see, they have peace. And the peace is related to their honoring the word of God. Individuals that honor the word of God that stand in awe of this word that have security in their lives. They're not down at Title Max on Monday morning because they've gambled away every dollar they had from the paycheck on Friday. Somewhat amazing to me, the proliferation of businesses like Title Max. And the reason, I believe, in short, is because individuals are literally throwing their money down the drain. Drinking and gambling. Engaging in activities that are unwholesome. And then they wonder why they do not have peace in their lives. The reason is because they're not honoring the word of God. The psalmist said, great peace have those who love your law. If you do not love the law of God, if you're not internalizing that law into your life, you're not going to have peace. It is not going to be present in your life. So first of all, when we think about how the psalmist viewed the word of God, I submit unto you he stood in awe of the word of God. He was in awe of it. But then there's a second thing that we see. And that is his affection for the word of God. And this has to do with the fact that he rejoiced in God's word. Look at Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. In verse 163, I hate and abhor lying. But I love your law. 
And then also drop down to verse 167. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Right here we see that there is a deep and abiding affection by the psalmist for God's word. He rejoiced in this word. We might ask the question, why such great affection? Why did the psalmist love the word of God? I believe because he viewed it as sacred. In other words, he cherished, he treasured the word of God. Think about all of the possessions that you own in your home. Of all of the possessions that you own, what is the most dear to you? What do you count as true treasure? I remember some years ago, a friend of mine and I, we used to listen to lessons that had been presented by the late Franklin Camp. And the title of the series of lessons was The Scheme of Redemption. What Brother Camp had done was many years ago, he began in the book of Genesis. And he began a thorough study of the scheme of redemption through every book of the Bible. Now, he died before finishing that project. He was well into the New Testament. And so at his death, Bobby Duncan, who is now deceased, picked up and concluded that study. But I remember a preacher friend of mine telling me on one occasion. He said, I would let a lot of my books go before I would let my tapes of Brother Franklin Camp go. He treasured those tapes. What about you? Do you treasure God's Word? Would you let some of your material possessions go before you allowed a copy of the Bible to go? Let's say you had to give everything away. Let's say that you had to sell everything that you own. What would you keep? Would the Bible be at the top of your list? The psalmist cherished the Word of God. And I said the reason is because he viewed it as sacred. Now there are a couple of sub-points here. He cherished or treasured the Word of God because, number one, it gives light. Look, if you would, at verse 130. In Psalm 119, 130, the psalmist said, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. In 105, that is Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word of God will give light. It will give direction to your life. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're wandering aimlessly about in this world. They have no direction, no purpose. And the reason is simple, because the Word of God is not directing them. They're not allowing the light of God's Word to direct their home, to lead them on the job, to direct their paths, 
in the various walks of life. You and I must not divorce ourselves from the Word of God. In 1 John 5, 19, John said the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. This world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And the only way to dispel the spiritual darkness that is surrounding our world is through the light, the counsel of God's word. So it gives, number one, light. Number two, it gives life. Jesus said in John 6, 63... He said the words that he spoke, he said they are spirit and they are life. In that same context, after having declared himself to be the bread of life, John said many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And so Jesus asked the question, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. Now, if you want to enjoy life, I'm talking about an abundant life. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're living, but they're not enjoying life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You want an abundant life? Look to the Lord. Tap in to the pages of the Bible, learn about the Lord and begin living for him. Peter had it right when he said, you have the words of life eternal. We talk about all of the books that have been penned by mankind. And there have been some very profitable books penned by man, but there is not a book in this world that compares to the word of God. Now there have been books that have been written by good people, by Christian people that have encouraged those of us who are trying to follow the Lord to live right, to do right. But we're talking about the source, the Word of God. This book right here will set you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, John eight thirty two. So if you want an abundant life, you need to look to God's holy word. The psalmist stood in awe of this word. We think about his awe of the word of God. We think about his affection for the word of God. And let me just pause there and ask you, how much affection do you have for the word of God? Turn back a page or two in your Bible and look at Psalm 119. Picking up in verse 72, the psalmist said, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold and silver. Do you love it above money? Above gold and silver? In Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then in verse 104, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. God's word enables us to make discernments in this life. Between that which is right and wrong, good and bad. So his affection for the word of God. But then thirdly, 
We see his adherence to the Word of God. And this really has to do with his relationship to God's Word. Now, I said a moment ago that there is a correlation between our relationship to the Lord and our relationship to His Word. Look again at Psalm 119. And we might ask the question, why did the psalmist adhere to God's Word? Well, let's just look at what he says. We noted a moment ago in verse 165 where the psalmist said, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Why did the psalmist adhere to God's word? Because God's word is what saves us. It's what keeps us in a right relationship to the Lord himself. How do I know that? Well, first of all, I think about what Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16 when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, I make known unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep that which I delivered unto you. If we hold fast to God's word, then we will enjoy salvation. That is, eternal salvation. Let me ask this question. Does your life run parallel to the word of God? Or does it intersect with the word of God? Think for a moment about well, let's just think about DeSoto County. If you were to begin driving down Goodman Road, you could make your way into South Haven. But you could also get on State Line Road and run parallel. Now, those two roads run parallel with one another. But we're not talking about, spiritually speaking, running parallel with God's Word. That's what a lot of people want to do. They want to run parallel with this Word. In other words, here's the Word of God, and here is their life. And so the Word of God is pushing them in this direction. They're running in this direction. The problem is they never intersect. Now some roads, ultimately, they may run parallel, but they eventually intersect with one another. Unless your life intersects with the Word of God, you're not going to enjoy salvation. God's Word has to intersect or intertwine with, with your life. We talk about making the Word of God a part of our lives. Remember what Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You've got to ingest God's word. It has to be incorporated into your life. It has to become a part of you. Now, 
The psalmist said, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Does that mean that I'm never going to stumble? I'm never going to fall? I'm never going to make mistakes in this life? Of course not. The difference is that for a Christian, for a child of God, for one who honors the Lord, we may stumble and fall, but we get up. We stand up, we dust ourselves off, and we move forward. There are a lot of people in this world, they just give up. Now back to this analogy. Does your life run parallel to the Word of God, or does it intersect? It may be the case that you have a lot of problems in your life tonight. Maybe your home's in disarray. Maybe it's dysfunctional. Maybe you have trouble dealing with people on a personal basis. Maybe you have a problem controlling your tongue. Maybe you have problems with any number of things. And one of the reasons is because God's Word has not been incorporated into your life. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul said, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I've said it before, I believe it to be the case. Paul here is saying, Let God's Word find a home in your heart. Now, you have to make that decision. You have to personally decide, I'm going to allow God's Word to find a home in my heart. Now, when God's Word finds a home in your heart, what's going to happen? You're going to begin to blossom, to bear fruit. You're going to begin to live as the Lord would have you to live. Do you think the Lord wants you to be happy? Or miserable. I think the Lord wants us to be happy. We do not live in a perfect world. And I know that sometimes good people suffer immeasurably. That was one of the dilemmas of the psalmist according to Psalm 73. But nonetheless, God is interested in us as people. And one of the best ways that I know to smooth out our lives, to to enjoy life as God would have us to enjoy it, is to take his word and make it a part of our lives. How do you view the word of God? Are you in awe of it? Do you have great affection for it? Are you adhering to God's word? There are a lot of people in the world today, they say, now I know that the Lord said this, but, can't be any buts. If the Lord said it, then that really settles it. What we have to do is to make up our mind that we're going to put into practice the simple teaching of Jesus Christ. Putting into practice our profession. James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Tonight we close with the question, how do you view the Word of God? Do you reverence it? Do you rejoice in it? Do you have a relationship with the Bible? Is it a part of your life each and every day? The psalmist said, 
In Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In verse 113, But I love your law. Do you love God's word? If you love it, you'll do what it says. You know, the beauty of it is the Lord loves you. And because he loves you, he sent his son to die for your sins. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you want everlasting life? Would you want to enjoy the great blessings that are found only in Christ? What would you need to do to enjoy that abundant life? Well, you need to first of all have faith in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to him. And then you would need to act upon that faith through repentance, to turn from a life of sin. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. And then we are instructed to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8, verse 37. And then we must be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When we do that, we become New Testament Christians, nothing more, nothing less. And the promise given to us is if we live faithfully, the crown of life awaits us, James 1, verse 12. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, could we encourage you to come to Christ? If you are a Christian, but you've fallen by the wayside, could we encourage you to come home, to come back to the Lord, to make things right with a loving God who desires your salvation? Would you come as we stand and sing?